Salutations. I am Kenneth Barrios, leadership coach and owner of Key Bravo Leadership Development with the mission of unleashing your talents and maximizing your impact without compromising your time. Welcome to our 16th Law Success series, where I read out loud about 20 to 30 minutes of this great tone for your audio pleasure. This book is the foundation of which all other personal and professional development is based, written by Napoleon Hill in 1928. I am now using this as public domain book as my foundation to success, and I want to bring you along for the journey. So please enjoy, and your feedback is always welcome. With gratitude, thank you. Compilation of statistics covering family incomes and expenditures of over 16,000 families of men who have been analyzed by the author disclosed some facts that will be of help to the person who wishes to budget his income and disbursements on a practical working basis that is sound and economical. The average income runs all the way from $100 to $300 per month. The budget allowance covering incomes within these two amounts should be about as follows. A family consisting of two persons whose income is $100 a month should manage to set aside at least $10 or $12 a month for the savings account. The cost of shelter or rent should not exceed $25 or $30 a month. Food costs should average about $25 to $30. Clothing should be kept within an expenditure of $15 to $20 a month. Recreation incidentals should be kept down to about $8 to $10 a month. A family whose income is $100 a month, should that income be increased to $125, ought to save at least $20 of the amount. A family of two persons whose income is $150 a month should budget their funds about as follows. Savings, $25. Shelter or rent, $35 to $45. Food, $35 to $40. Clothing, $20 to $30. Recreation, $10 to $15. On a salary of $200 a month, the budget should be savings, $50. Shelter or rent, $40 to $50. Food, $35 to $45. Clothing, $30 to $35. Recreation, $15 to $20. A family of two on a salary income of $300 a month should apportion their income about thus. Savings, $55 to $65. Shelter or rent, $45 to $60. Food, $45 to $60. Clothing, $35 to $45. Recreation and education, $50 to $75. Some might argue that a family of two making a Y of $300 a month might live just as cheaply as one making about $100 to $125. However, this is not quite correct, because one who has the ability to earn $300 a month must, as a rule, associate with people who are making better appearances and more entertainment necessary. A single man earning $100, $150, or $300 a month should save considerably more than a man with a family could save on the same amounts. As a rule, a single man who has no dependents and who is not in debt should live on a budget of $50 a month for room and food and not exceed $30 a month for clothes or perhaps $10 for recreation. These amounts might be slightly increased by one who earned from $150 to $300 a month. A boy who lives away from home and whose weekly income is only $20 should save $5 of the amount. The, the remainder should cover costs of food, room, and clothes. A girl living away from home on the same income would require a slightly larger allowance for clothes 
as women's wearing apparel is more costly than men's, and it's generally imperative that a woman's watch more closely than men their personal appearance. A family of three will be able to save considerably less than the amounts which could be saved by a family of two, with rare exceptions, however, such as cases where the family is involved in debt which must be absorbed out of the monthly income. Any family can save at least 5% of their gross income. It is a common practice today for families to purchase automobiles on the monthly payments which involve too great an expenditure compared to their income. A man with a Ford income has no business purchasing a Studebaker car. He should curb his desires and content himself with a Ford. Many single men spend their entire incomes, often going to debt besides, because they maintain automobiles out of keeping with their incomes. This common practice is fatal to success as far as financial independence may be considered as part of success in thousands of instances. The installment plan of buying has become so common and it is so easy to purchase practically anything one desires that the tendency to spend out of proportion to one's income is rapidly increasing. This tendency must be curbed by the person who has made up his mind to gain financial independence. It can be done by anyone who is willing to try. Another evil, which is both an evil and a blessing, is the fact that the country is so very prosperous that money comes easily, and if not watch, it goes still more easily. Since the beginning of the World War, World War, there has been a steady demand for practically everything manufactured in the United States. This condition of prosperity has caused people to lapse into a state of careless, unjustified spending. There is no virtue in, quote, keeping up with the pace set by the neighbors, quote, when this means sacrifice of the habit of saving a regular part of one's income. It is far better, in the long run, to be considered a bit behind the times than it is to go along with the youth into the days of maturity and finally into old age without having formed the habit of systematic savings. It is better to sacrifice during the age of youthfulness than it is to compel to do so during the age of maturity, as at all who have not developed the habit of saving generally have to do. There is nothing quite so humiliating that carries such a great agony and suffering as poverty in old age, when personal services are no longer marketable and one must turn to relatives or to charitable institutions for existence. A budget system should be maintained by every person, both the married and the single, but no budget system will work out if the person trying to keep it lacks the courage to cut expenses on such items as those of entertainment and recreation. If you feel so weak in your willpower that you think it is necessary to, quote, keep up with the Smiths, quote, you must associate socially and whose income is greater than your own or who spend all of their income foolishly, then no budget system can be of service to you. Forming the savings habit means that, to some extent at least, you must seclude yourself from all except a well-selected group of friends who you enjoy without elaborate entertaining on your part. To admit that you lack the courage to trim down your expenditure so that you can save money, even if only a small amount, is the equivalent of admitting at the same time a lack of sort of character which leads to success. It has been proven times too numerous to be mentioned that the people who have formed the habit of saving money are always given preference and positions of responsibility. Therefore, the saving of money not only adds advantages to the nature of preferred employment and a larger bank account, but it also increases the actual earning capacity. 
any businessman who preferred to employ a person who saves money regularly, not because of the mere fact that such a person saves money, but because of the characteristics possessed by such a person which make him or her more efficient. Many firms will not employ men or women who does not save money. It should be a common practice for all business houses to require all employees to save money. This would be a blessing to thousands of people who would not otherwise have the willpower to form the savings habit. Henry Ford has gone a long way, perhaps, as far as an expedient to induce his employees not only to save their money, but to spend that they do spend wisely and to live sanely and economically. The man who induces his employees to form the habit of saving is practically philanthropist. Opportunities that come to those who have saved money. A few years ago, a young man came to Philadelphia from the farming district of Pennsylvania and went to work in a printing plant. One of the fellow workmen owned some shares in a building and loan company and formed the habit of saving $5 a week through the association. This young man was influenced by his associate to open an account with the building and loan company. At the end of three years, he had saved $900. The printing plant for which he worked got into financial difficulty and he was about to fail. He came to the rescue with his $900 and he had saved in small amounts and in return was given half interest in the business. By inaugurating a system of closed economy, he helped the business to pay off its indebtedness and today he's drawing out of it as half of the profits a little better than $25,000 a year. This opportunity never would have come, or if it had, would have not been prepared to embrace it had he not formed the habit of saving money. When the Ford automobile was perfected during the early days of existence, Henry Ford needed capital to promote the manufacture and sale of his product. He turned to a few friends who had saved up a few thousand dollars, one of them who was Senator Cousins. This friend, these friends came to his rescue, put in a few thousand dollars with him, and later drew out millions of dollars in profits. When Woolworth first started his 5 and 10 cent store plan, he had no capital, but he turned to a few friends who had saved by the closest sort of economy and great sacrifice a few thousand dollars. These friends staked him and later they were paid back hundreds of thousands of dollars in profits. Van Heusen, of soft color fame, conceived the idea of producing a semi-soft color for men. His idea was sound, but he had not a cent to promote it. He turned to a few friends who had only a few hundred dollars. He gave them a start, and the collar made each of them wealthy. The men who started the El Partico cigar business, but had little capital, and they did have was money they had saved from their small earnings as cigar makers. They had a good idea and knew how to make a good cigar, but the idea that would have, quote, died boring, quote, had they not saved a little money, with their meager savings, they launched the cigar, and a few and a few years later, they sold out of their business to American Tobacco Company for eight million dollars. Break, break. I would like to have a quick word from our sponsor. Thank you for your time. Let's get back to the reading. Back of practically every great fortune one may find as its beginning, a well-developed habit of saving money. John D. Rockefeller was an ordinary bookkeeper. He conceived the idea of developing the oil business, which then not even considered a business. He needed capital, and because he had developed the habit of saving and had thereby proved that he could conserve the funds of other people, he had no difficulty in borrowing what, he, what money he needed. And may be truthful, stated that the real basis of the Rockefeller fortune is the habit of saving money, 
which Mr. Rockefeller developed while working as a bookkeeper on a salary of $40 a month. James J. Hill was a poor young man working as a telegrapher. At a salary of $30 a month, he conceived the idea of the Great Northern Railway System, but his idea was out of proportion to his ability to finance. However, he had formed the habit of saving money on the eager out salary of $30 a month and saved enough to enable him to pay his expenses on a trip to Chicago where he interested capitalists in financing his plan. The fact that he himself had saved money on a small salary was considered good evidence that he would be a safe man to trust with other people's money. Most businessmen will not trust another man's with their money unless he has demonstrated his ability to take care of his own and use it wisely. The test, while it is often embarrassing to those who have not formed the habit of saving, is a very practical one. A young man who worked in a printing plant in the city of Chicago wanted to open a small print shop and go into business for himself. He went to a printing supply house manager and made known his wants. He's saying he desired credit for a printing press and some type of other small equipment. The first question asked by the manager was, have you saved any money of your own? He had. Out of a salary of $30 a week, he had saved $15 a week regularly for nearly four years. He got the credit he wanted. Later on, he got more credit. Until today, he has built up one of the most successful printing plants in the city of Chicago. His name is George B. Williams, and he is well known, as are the facts here stated, to the author of this course. Many years after this incident, the author of this course became acquainted with Mr. Williams, and at the end of the war, in 1918, the author went to Mr. Williams and asked for credit accounting to many thousands of dollars for the purpose of publishing the Golden Rule magazine. The first question asked was, have you formed the habit of saving money? Despite the fact that all the money I had saved was lost in the war, and were fact that I had actually formed the saving of ha habit, was the real basis on which I got the credit for upward of $30,000. There were, there are opportunities on every corner, but they exist only for those who have ready money or who can command money because they have formed the habit of saving and developed the other characteristics which go with the formation of the savings habit known by the general term of character. The late J.P. Morgan once said, he would rather loan a million dollars to a man of sound character who had formed a habit of saving money than he would a thousand dollars to a man without character who was a spendthrift. Generally speaking, this is the attitude which the world takes of all men who save money. It often happens that a small savings account of no more than two or three hundred dollars is sufficient to start one on the highway to financial independence. A few years ago, a young inventor invented a household article which was unique and practical. He was handicapped, as inventors are so often are, because he did not save the money to market his invention. Moreover, not having formed a savings habit, he found it impossible to borrow money through banking sources. His roommate was a young machinist who had saved $200. He came to the inventor's aid with this small sum of money and had enough of the articles manufactured to give them a start. They went out and sold from house to house the first supply, then came back and had another supply made up and so on, until they had accumulated, thanks to the thrift and savings ability of the roommate, a capital of $1,000. With this, plus some credit they secured, 
They bought the tools for manufacturing their own product. The young machinist sold his half-interest in the business six years later for $250,000. He never would have handled this this much money during his entire life had he not formed the habit of saving, which enabled him to come to the rescue of his inventor friend. This case might be multiplied a thousand times, but but, but a slight variation as to the details, as it is fairly descriptive of the beginning of many great fortunes that have been made and are now in the making in the United States. It may seem like a sad, cruel fact, but it is a fact nonetheless that if you have no money and have not developed the habit of saving, you are, quote, out of luck, quote, as far as availing yourself the opportunity to make money is concerned. It can do no harm to repeat it. Fact should be repeated over and over again that the real start of the nearly all fortunes, whether great or small, is the formation of the habit of saving money. Get this basic principle firmly founded in your mind, and you will be well on the road toward financial independence. It is a sad little sight to see a man well along in years who has sentenced himself to the wearisome treadmill of hard labor all the days of his life because he was neglecting forming the habit of saving money. Yet, there are millions of such men living in the United States alone today. The greatest thing in life is freedom. There can be no freedom without reasonable degree of financial independence. It is a terrible thing to be compelled to be at a certain place at a certain time, perhaps a task which one does not like, for a certain number of hours every working day of the week, for a whole lifetime. It is some ways, this is the same as the being in prison, since one's choice of action is always limited. It is really no better than being in prison with the privilege of a trustee. And in some ways, it is even worse because the man who is in prison has escaped the responsibility of providing a place to sleep, something to eat, and clothes to wear. The only hope to escape from this lifelong toil which curtails freedom is to form the habit of saving money, and then live up to that habit, no matter how much sacrifice it may require. There is no other way out of the millions of people, and unless you are one of the rare exceptions this lesson... And these statements are, in fact, meant for you and apply to you. Neither a borrow, neither a borrower nor a lender be, for loan oft loss, losses both itself and friend, and borrowing dulls the edge of husbandry. This, above all, to thine own self be true, and it must follow as the night of the day. Thou canst not be the false to any man. Shakespeare. Thank you for your time today. I hope you learned as much as I did in this reading. If you ever desire to connect with me, you can email me at kb at keybravo.com. That is kb at keybravo.com. Have a wonderful day, and may you be blessed with all the success you endeavor.